Three, two, one, and we are back, and we are not at the beach today. We are at our house, which is near the beach. Because so, it's raining. Because it's raining. It does rain in the tropics occasionally. So this is best close. We're coming to our Sunday special uh, debrief at the beach series. But it's still good. It's nice office, nice day. Yeah. So we have a few things we want to share with you guys this week, and I think all of us will agree that... We are, you know, collectively as a real estate community, as a community that, you know, we have this podcast, we have our coaching company, a lot of us are associated with eXp Realty. I think collectively we can all agree that we're looking for reasons to believe that the future is going to be brighter than the past. And that's what Julie and I are going to be focusing on on today's podcast, because the reality of it is, is that what we're going through now is not going to last forever. Um, What we're going through now with, you know, in all likelihood is going to feel occasionally like it's past and, you know, we're through it and then it's occasionally going to feel like it's going to come back. I mean, it's just the nature of things like this. There is no just, you know, here one day, gone the next type situation, though. As I say that, I was just remembering back to the beginning of March where literally it was here one day, gone the next, you know, where it did feel like yep. that. But unfortunately, as we go through the other end of this thing, where there's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to feel overly optimistic and a lot of other times where you feel really pessimistic. And the the news cycles are going to follow those same cycles. So one of the things you guys got to keep in mind, it's a a way of controlling your mindset ultimately, is just tell yourself constantly it's too soon to tell. That's something Julie and I adopted a long time ago. Don't even remember where we learned that. But too soon to tell keeps your emotions in check. So when you start hearing really bad news, just tell yourself it's too good, uh, too soon to tell. And the same with the, uh, the good news part too. Because the problem is, is if emotionally you experience, overly experience either extreme, you're going to burn yourself out and you'll burn yourself out really quick. So just remember that. It's too soon to tell. And I'll tell you, and Julie, you have some things you want to talk oh, about? Just a few, you know, when we get to it. Um, so one of the things that I know that's going to happen, and it definitely, you guys can see the makings of this is you're going to start seeing spikes in home sales as people come out of quarantine. There definitely is some pent-up demand. There's no question that with these interest rates like they are, it's an insanely good time to be buying real estate. Yes, the mortgage regulations are tougher. Yes, this, yes, the other thing. But still, that does not mean that there's not going to be literally millions of people that are going to transact. And I'll, I suspect, and it feels to me like there's going to be what is going to look like an, an unusually large housing boom that's going to happen as soon as we come out of this. So your listings are going to sell off and you know motivated sellers are going to put their houses for sale. And then it's going to be followed by what essentially is going to be the you know air coming back out of that bloom as, uh, balloon as we uh, enter into the fall. So realistically, guys, May is going to be a little bit of a bizarre month. And then June and July and probably August are going to start feeling really good. And then you're going to start seeing people basically hunker back down in anticipation of maybe there's a you know a virus returning in the fall. Whether you believe the news is politicized or not, it certainly seems like it's falling into two camps: the lock them down, the keep them in quarantine, you know, the take away your you know First Amendment rights, all those types of things. Definitely seem to be coming uh, you know a Republican versus a Democratic type thing, and of course that's just going to continue. Um, into this election year. So I strongly encourage all of you to do yourselves a favor and isolate yourself from allowing, um, essentially allowing yourself to be tribalized. Because when you do, when you start thinking like that, when you, you when you frankly start believing you're a this or you're a that, when you allow yourself to have labels, I'm a, you know, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, what that's going to do is, first of all, it's going to make your world small, smaller. And, and I mean that in quite 
the literal sense because you're going to radiate those particular sets of values and that's going to maybe distract or it's going to uh, you're going to run off people who'd otherwise want to do business with you. Um, so the best thing in that regard is to be a republicrat. But the other thing is, is that the beliefs that like, for example, if you decide, you know, I'm a Republican or I'm a conservative, these are the values that I hold dear. And oh, hold on. There's a whole bunch of other values that be if you're going to you know, give yourself that label, you have to hold dear to as well. And you lose your objectivity. Same thing on the liberal and the Democrat, you know, socialist side of the spectrum. Same thing. Maybe you don't believe in all the things they're believing in. But if you're going to be in that camp, then you're sort of ostracized if you're not believing in all those types of, you know, the qualities. It's very limited thinking if you think about it. It is. It's crazy. It, it just it shuts your mind instead of opens your mind. And it causes you to not really uh, think bigger or, you know, out of your own box. And I think that that can be limiting with who you associate with, who your friends are, who your clients are, what you teach your children. I mean, I, I do how you look, in, how, how yeah. you dress, exactly. the food you eat, where yeah. you live, the Certainly books what you comes read, out of your mouth. the places <laughs> you travel. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, it's 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 really fascinating, too. And the mm-hmm. ultimate cost to all that, guys, is that you end up leave, living these small tribal lives. And I'll tell you, the common element um, amongst any group that's trying to control you is fear. So when you hear all these fear based messages coming out of both sides, you know, on the you know liberal side, it's basically fear of the virus. It's you know fear of people not respecting the almighty hand of the government. You know, government is God kind of thing. And the other side of it is you know on the, on the conservative side, it's fear of the liberals trying to take your values away, and they don't love the Constitution, and they're not respect. But see, all these things, guys, you don't need to participate in any of those conversations, or not even even give them any mental space, or at least a little bit of mental space. Maybe pay attention from the sidelines, just because it's kind of fascinating. But really, at the end of the day, it's just all rhetoric. And your highest and truest purpose on this planet, and I know this is confusing, is to stay myopic. Keep your mind clear of people that are trying to get you to think in a certain way, and keep your mind clear of anybody who's trying to put you in a state of fear. Because when you're in a state of fear, and they know it, okay, the manipulators know it. When you're in a state of fear, you're not going to be able to be of service to other people. You're just going to make your world smaller and smaller and smaller. And then what's going to happen is you're going to run to your tribe for essentially uh, to be protected, and things just get worse. And look, you're seeing... All, you're seeing really true America come out right now in, in a lot of ways where people are rebelling against this forced quarantining and these overreaching governments. And you're, But the problem is, guys, is that's just a breath away from people showing up at those same rallies at the neighborhood parks with guns. Okay, This all can become a big damn mess really fast. So you've got to see, what it, see it for what it is. Because guess what? You're saying, well, damn right, Tim, if they're taking my government, you know, if they're taking my rights away and I have the right to bear arms, the Second Amendment, I should be able to, you know, show up and with my gun and I should be able to whatever, whatever. Okay, well, here's the flip side to it. Maybe the, you know, liberal side of the world wants you to show up with your gun so that they can catch somebody essentially doing something dumb with their gun. And the next thing you know, then we're dealing with another civil rights issue with regards to the right and bear arms. Okay, so. Have confidence overall in the heart and the soul of your fellow Americans because Americans, I don't know, many of you guys have, most of you haven't traveled outside the United States, so you have no exposure to how unique of a people we truly are. Um, and it's unfortunate if you haven't traveled. You can look, you can travel anywhere. Julie and I have lived in a bunch of different states, and now we're living in Puerto Rico, which really isn't a state. It isn't a state, but everywhere we go, there's always this common thread of love, of you know, people, the people are at, at their core, really good, 
um, wanting to help other people. They're not evil bastards that need to be controlled and manipulated and, you know, to be uh, distrusted. Like in California right now, they're actually encouraging neighbors to rat out neighbors. But what kind of place is that to live where you basically are always, you know, you're being encouraged by the government to rat your neighbor out? Is that a place really that sounds like America? It doesn't, does it? No, I'm sounding political and I didn't mean to. But the reality no, of it but is... It is your, I think your point is that it's a slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. You know, and, and, and once it's okay to, you know, turn your... I remember when we lived in California, you would write... Part-time. You know, for, uh, yes, for um, recycling of your garbage infractions. And now it's things like maybe you're three feet away from me instead of six. Or maybe there's a gathering of 12 people instead of 10. You know, I mean, what kind of life is that? Yeah, I think it's crazy. No, it is crazy. And, and just, you know, some of these other things. But these are all learning lessons, right? What this is going to do ultimately, and this is the reason that you guys have to see this for what it is. Remember, it's too soon to tell. Is that people are going to come out on the other side of this and they're, and, and they're going to have seen actually how certain types of people with certain types of political ideologies behave when given the opportunity to seize power. And that's going to be something that people will never forget, okay? They, you guys will never forget, and you'll tell your children, and your children will tell their grandchildren, uh, you know, the coronavirus of 2020 and probably 2021, and what the government did. And you're going to remember this forever. You're going to remember how, within a blink, the government started to seize control and didn't want to give the control back. Oh, it was under the justification of keeping people healthy, which on the surface makes sense. But after a while, it doesn't. It's obviously going, you know, merging and, and growing into some other sort of political ideology that we all have to, have to be mindful of. And not just the people on the you know, conservative side of things. We're not the barrel, bellwethers of the Constitution. It's everybody. It's everybody in the country has to be watching out for the government, frankly, trying to take away your, your civil rights. Because if you give that up, guys, if you, if you so willingly... Um, you know, give up your rights, not paying attention, believing that the government gives you your rights. The government doesn't grant you your rights. That's not how it actually works. The government can take away your rights if you're not essentially there to basically stand up for them when they're being taken uh, taken advantage of. But that is not in conflict with what I was saying previously but not about avoiding the political rhetoric because you have to. You have to avoid it because ultimately what it comes down to is not being part of the partisan arguments that sometimes go from bickering to violence that's there's not there's nothing that's positive on the other side of that what you need to just do is be mindful and like i said stay small and by meaning stay small i mean focus on essentially immediate family and then your immediate community that's where you can have the impact start with your own family first and what can i do to be making my situation in my own family my own household literally my own family better and then you can expand outside of that. Don't worry about expanding outside of that until you've made your own home That's better. That's for sure. Well, it's, and I, I think that uh, it, there's a good place to segue here into some positive things of being uh, sort of locked up and having to have more restriction. Like there's a huge push in the self-improvement end of things, right? So not just uh, seminars and webinars and online education, but people are working out more. People are looking into eating more healthy. I'm on some low-carb Facebook groups, so I know what to do with my 5 million orders of eggs because we can get eggs, but we can't get bananas, you know? <laughs> so I, and I'm, I'm actively reading more. I have some magazine subscriptions, you know, I'm, I've got our yoga mats out and I'm doing, you know, Zoe's got some gym class for homeschool, so we're doing that. I think that you're right to look inward instead of outward before you go criticizing the world and spending your time searching out for 
um, confirmation bias that you're right about your political views or any of those things, make sure that you're taking care of yourself first. We've talked on previous podcasts about controlling your environment, controlling your finances. Um, physical. And physical, you know, working out. We've, we've got our chart of things that we do every day. And making sure that because Zoe's eating pint after pint of ice cream that I don't end up with a butterball six-year-old at the end of this. So I, I think that one thing that you, well, several things you can control to keep from spinning up into, you know, some destructive uh, thinking or behavior or mindsets is to control what you can at home. I mean, when you're, think about it this way, when your environment, your physical self and your finances are all in alignment as best they can be. How much better of a business person are you? How much better leadership do you have with your clients when they come to you with one of their issues? You're going to be a lot better at helping them if your own house is in alignment. And there's a certain calm um, that comes from having those three things, at least working on having those three things in control. There's a certain calm that you'll have that from every day when you you know just do the basic exercise stuff, when you just absolutely, <coughs> excuse me, absolutely, keep your environment clean. Like how dirty and nasty are your houses and your offices right now? How does that make you feel? There's like a subconscious tension that's built up around essentially not having a, a clean environment. Well, so let's pivot. Let's talk about real estate. So I touched on something a second ago, and I think it's really true. There's going to be a boom that's going to feel like an amazing relief for everyone in the real estate industry, really in the economy on a whole. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be um, something that's going to be a, somewhat of a, an absolute you know, revelation for some of you, but it's also going to be short-lived. And I'll tell you the reason it's going to be short-lived. The boom is going to come back. It's going to come from the people who have obviously not lost their jobs, who have not, um, you know, essentially are still credit-worthy and also have kept their down payments. The boom is going to come from sellers also who are motivated to sell their houses now before, the, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but it's pretty safe to say prices are going to adjust downward. So there's going to be a really, I think, um, a meaningful increase in home sales from maybe three or four months. And then there's every reason to believe, guys, we're going to slip into a long-term recession. And the long-term recession is going to be essentially, there's two th two essential headwinds. Well, there's many, unfortunately, but the two prominent, maybe even three prominent headwinds to having any sort of meaningful recovery in the economy are frankly, no vaccine for the virus. The unemployment rate is you know, essentially tracking to be higher than it was in the Great Depression. We already have more unemployed than we did during the Great Recession. Um, and the third thing, guys, and this is the thing that Julie and I have been studying and reading. I had her read. How long was that article I had you read? She was hours. Up, I don't know how many pages, but it was hours. There, guys, there's a great series uh, of uh, Ray Dalio over on um, LinkedIn. It's free. So I just Google LinkedIn, Ray Dalio. Uh, was it Changing World yeah, Order? I, I did eventually cave and find a similar thing that he did on YouTube. Oh, uh, the video. <laughs> so yeah. The video was I really know. good too. Well, but look, it's important that you guys understand what the ramifications are of all this money printing, quote unquote. I know some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'll give you the punchline. Essentially, what's going to happen is we're going to have a lot of interesting uh, struggles in our economy. Some people believe on the extremist side, let's say, some people believe that the U.S. dollar is going to essentially default and we're going to be moving into a new, you know, maybe new U.S. dollar that's gold backed or just some, you know, iteration of that. Well, other people believe we're just going to have to live in a, an environment where there's going to be inflation led by, you know, then hyperinflation. And, and I'm only, I mean, Julie and I have a pretty high level understanding of what all this means and the ramifications to real estate. Um, and just the punchline of it is, is that if you just as a, a simple hack for all of you to get essentially the most out of 
what's going to feel like a very bad situation is that you should definitely uh, lock in, for example, on the on the mortgage side of things, definitely lock in one of these long 30-year you know, low-rate mortgages because the inflated um, the inflation that's going to inevitably happen as a result of all this money printing won't effectively make your house free. So it's going to essentially make the borrowers uh, come out ahead because of the fact the house will increase in cost or you can call it value at a much higher clip than whatever the rate is or whatever the interest you're paying on the mortgage. So we strongly encourage all of you guys to definitely think about that. Now, with that said, if you've got paid off real estate, leave it paid off. Honestly, leave it paid off because then you can basically have a lower burn rate personally. Um, and the second thing, it's interesting, and all these guys are agreeing on, and gals, by the way, is that gold is going to be one of the best, uh, essentially, insurance policies to any kind of resetting or any kind of inflation or hyperinflation. And, and look, you can research this yourself. There's a great book that I read a long time ago called A New Case for Gold by Jim Rickards. It's a great book. It's on Amazon, of course. And you can read that um, long series of articles by Ray Dalio. It's a three-part uh, soliloquy, if you want to call it that, that he's been writing. He releases a new one about every two weeks. Um, so the second one just came out the other day. It's one that Julie and I read. But study all of this. You at least need to understand the ramifications of it. But in the short run, as things come unglued, so if you guys want to know where our minds are at, where we're thinking, and we're thinking about this for our own personal you know, protection, but also for our business, and then ultimately for all of you guys, we're not going to tell you guys to do something that we're not going to do, but that's what our window is for the next probably two to three years, is we're thinking the cycle is going to be something in the near future is going to feel very much like a return to the seller's market, followed by what's going to feel very much like a long-term uh, you know, buyer's market, which is fine. I mean, ultimately, guys, remember at the height of the uh, recession, there were still 4 million home sales uh, in 2009 or 8, whatever year it was. And that gives you an idea that, so 4 million means there's 8 million transactions. If the average sale price in the United States is, you know, you guys can do the math. There's still going to be trillions and trillions of dollars that are flowing to real estate agents. They're probably just going to be flowing to different real estate agents. In a market like this, that's what you have a tendency to see are the agents that are skill, skills-based and who didn't wait around to learn how to basically sell real estate in a changing market. They're the ones that are going to come out ahead. All the other agents who are in it, you know, this isn't our normal show, so I don't want to get on my soapbox, but the reality of it is, as a vast majority of you aren't hearing Julie and I when we tell you it's skills-based because you think you have skills. You don't know what you don't know. And we do know what you don't know, just being direct with you and maybe a little obnoxious by saying it that way. But the truth no. is, but it is true. But the truth is you guys don't know how to compete, let, you know, survive, let alone compete um, in, a, in a market like what we're entering into. Because what we're entering into is going to feel very, uh, very foreign and very uncomfortable for all of you. Um, and it's going to be a transitioning market where there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. And then it's going to be followed by a market where there's going to be a lot of price adjustments downward. Is that universally true for every market? No, obviously. Last go around and, and in previous, you know, if we go back in history by hundreds of years, there's certain uh, real estate that's going to hold its value, if, if not actually increase in value. I mean, and I mean in a, a real sense, not just an inflated sense. And, those, and, and there's different theories that are coming out that people are going to start fleeing from the cities. Um, I've been reading that too. Yeah, we were t some of our best uh, uh, agents in Manhattan and some brokers in Manhattan that Julie and I have had as coaching clients for a long time. They're telling us that they're getting calls from people who basically want out and they're they want to buy houses in like Greenwich, Connecticut, or they want to buy houses that are. I'm even seeing it from places like Atlanta, moving an hour and a half outside of Atlanta. 
you know, it's, it's not just in New York, but it, it's, uh, you know, people looking in the interior. You know, we have a great coaching client in Paducah, Kentucky. You know, people are looking for more rural. It's one of the most common searches, the search for, quote, rural, which, you know, can be defined many different ways. But um, like for, I, I read something, searching for an acre to five acres, the search uh, results are up like 1,500%. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, they're sold out of chicks. So right, I know. All of these chicks, things are like related, a, like chicks baby become, chickens to make eggs. That's right. So, so. I mean, it, those <clears> are the world's t- changing. Those are the, the world's changing, and the, and here's the other thing, and I find that exciting. Frankly, I find that really exciting because, frankly, we have a lot of rural and semi-rural coaching clients, and they've never really experienced the benefit of these real estate booms, that's and awesome. maybe there's a boom coming their way. So if you're living in Austin, you might want to be looking at Georgetown, Texas, right? For example. For example, where Julie and I have a little five-acre, um, you know, rural ranch there. It's rented out now, but I'm so glad we have it, you know. We build up a big fence around it. It's five acres. It backs to a river. It's got its own well. It's got its own power supply. It's, awesome. it's basically off the grid. We build it as just a hobby ranch. We had a couple little cows there that we gave to our friends, a couple little mini cows. Oh, I'm going to tell you guys a funny story about our mini cows. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is a true story. So These are uh, not eating cows, by the way. These no. are uh, Highland Dexters. They actually have bangs. They're furry. Yeah. They have uh, horns. They're pretty cute. Yeah, they're from like Scotland, right? And they have these little, you know, they're little short guys. But listen, they're massive. Don't think they're, they're still not 800 mad. pounds. They're still 800 <laughs> pounds. Yeah, they look like little, you know, water buffalo, basically. Yeah. But they're designed to go up and down steep rock faces and whatnot in the, you know, highlands of Scotland and whatnot. So anyway, these little guys are, well, I keep on calling them little, but so um, we bought them. Well, Julie found this breeder, this lady in Texas that has, you know, her specialization is breeding these little, you know, cows. And so we said, well, we want, what do you suggest? We know nothing about cows. I mean, Julie and I knew nothing about cows at all. New hobby. And she said, um, well, this is back when we lived in Texas, guys. We live in Puerto Rico now. And she said, well, you're, um, you're probably going to want two boys. And I've got these two guys. One's name's Brownie and the other's name is James. And, you know, we just, da 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 She said, okay, so Julie got some pictures. She said, perfect. Okay, so Brownie and James, James get dropped off and they grow quickly. They eat everything. I mean, they're cows, right? That's what they're supposed to do. Um, and, uh, and we rename them Zeus and Apollo, by the way. Um, and we start telling our neighbors as a joke that they're, uh, you know, trained guard cows. You know, well, you God guys help rem- you if you're holding on to any sweet, sweet potatoes. That's right. They will run you down for that. <laughs> Do you guys remember a Magnum PI where there was Zeus and Apollo, his trained Dobermans? Well, that's where I got the name Zeus and Apollo for these cows. It was it just, them. it was, it was funny. Well, so anyway, uh, we, we're moving to Puerto Rico. This is summer last year and our uh, really good, we had wonderful friends in, in that part of Texas. And we, and one of them, uh, James, or I'm James, listen Justin. to me, Justin and his family, um, they have this really beautiful uh, property that backs up to this huge, um, essentially that it's the guys got the, their neighbors got. I don't even know how many head of cows, just an absolute Hundreds. massive number. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, so we thought, well, this would be a great place to put Zeus and Apollo. They could sort of you know go there and run in the fields and have fun. And you now it's fenced off from the big cows, and it was great. And the Connellys adopted the cows, and we, they send us pictures, and we made them swear that they'd never make them into eating cows, and so proof they have life pictures. So, so they have to send us proof of life pictures when we ask for them. Okay, so they are. So that's good. But here's what we find out: I, um, I get a uh, a text from Justin. He said, "You know, Tim, um, Zeus and Apollo. Well, one of them might be pregnant." <laughs> <laughs> I know. And Julia are like, "What?" Yeah, well, you know, one of them did have, you know, 
boy parts and the other we thought had its boy parts removed. They're Matter pretty hairy. It's hard to It's tell. really hairy, and you're not going to like put your arm down there and start fishing no. around for cow balls. I mean, I'm not doing it. I, th- I thought Brownie and James were boy names. Maybe Brownie was a girl name. But didn't she know. tell us that one of them was fixed? Yeah, exactly. And we're... I yeah, what know. do we know? I have the paperwork somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, so <laughs> that tells yeah. you how ignorant we are about cows. Well, so anyway, it turns out that you know uh, Zeus and Apollo. One of them's a you know a male, and the other's a female. And well, they're having babies. So or we're about to have three cows. <laughs> we're about to have three cows. <laughs> so the Justin's got the, the Connellys got more than they bargained for, but that's okay. They're small, Bonus relatively cow. speaking. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's our cow story. So yeah. um, we could tell a hog story too, but we'll do that another that's time. That's another time. Yeah. But so guys. Here's the moral of the story. We have two hog stories, one from here and one from there. We have so, a hog story from here? Oh, one. yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a different podcast. That's yeah, a different podcast. Well, so the moral of the story is you guys are going to see a lot of big macro trends in housing. We really think that's going to be true. And I'll tell you the other thing that's really fascinating to me. Look, look, Jill, Jilly takes Zoe to school every morning. Well, she was, right? Used to. Used to. <laughs> and they'd have to get up at, you know, it's not too far away. We live in a you know nice, small sort of... Dorado is in Puerto Rico is a small community. Everything's relatively close, but still, you have to get up in the morning. You have to go through the morning routine. Zoe's a little, you know, grumpy, you know, monkey in the morning, and then there's the whole, just the whole thing, the whole getting ready to get started, to get out the door, to get the kids to school on time by eight o'clock. And this school that she goes to, if you're like, how late? You're like a two seconds late. They won't let you One in. One minute. One minute late. Doors locked. You have yeah. to go to the principal's office. Right. And so it is what it is. It's, you know, it's yep. a, it's a basically a college prep school and the kids that go to this school pretty much all graduate and go to elite schools, maybe even Ivy League schools. But that routine is no longer in place because of the coronavirus. And Zoe's been staying home every morning. Now, granted, she's only in kindergarten. So just keep this in mind as I walk through this. Like if she was in 11th grade and taking physics, right. I'd use, story. we'd be useless to her as far as homeschooling. But the school has adapted just... You know, an unbelievably high clip to doing online school, to doing essentially everything that they were doing at school. You could argue the socialization and art. When we were even doing art classes at home. Yeah. We're doing gym at home. We're doing just everything that she was getting. I mean, obviously, minus the structured school environment. And Julie's <laughs> knocking it out. What Julie's her school teacher every morning. What does it take you? Two hours? It'd maybe an hour? Two, two to three, depending on her mood. Yeah, how much work is actually there is less than that. It's yeah. more of the kid management. And she's home every day, and I have to say, even though she's not actually too distracting, but she she is wonderful moments. to have at home. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love having Zoe at home. All of us do, um, and it's so nice to have her around. It's so nice to just go. You know, Julie will take a break occasionally and go play Barbies with her, or we'll play hide and go seek. And evidently, according to her, I'm the best at hide and go seek ever. You know, because <laughs> you hide outside. Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> I hate for reals. Yeah. So point being is that it's wonderful. Now, how many of you are having similar experiences or how many of you are having the exact opposite experience where you can't <laughs> wait for your kids to go back to school? I get it. Yeah. Um, but how many other aspects of your life has changed because of this lockdown, because of this quarantine where you don't want it to go back to the way it was? And I think that's the thing that's, it's not, you can't just even, you can't, I can't even imagine all the different things that are going to change. What will this put an end to? What what types of trends and what types of, you know, even political things were getting momentum that just were shut completely down because of the coronavirus that won't come back again? I mean, the, there's going to be a huge conversation that's going to happen, obviously, about the role of government. That's the thing that's going to be fascinating that we're all going to have to, you know, pay attention to. And is do we want a big government? Well, we got one. I mean, do we want a government that's going to continue to essentially be there as a, you know, a, a safety net? It's not, that's not... 
you can't keep that. That's not going to be something that's going to last forever. But yeah, there's a lot of people that expect that. They're, the government's role in, in people's minds, in, in people's lives, it's changed. And we're going to have to have that conversation. We're going to have to decide because whatever the government giveth, the government will take us away. And they're going to take it away in the form of freedom. So that's going to be a conversation we're all going to have to have. But And here's, here's what's really fascinating too. Now, we've been talking endlessly about the, the financial programs all of you guys need to be taking advantage of. And we had to learn all this, and we're still learning. We have had to read it all day. And thankfully, there has been no new information or articles yes. about, about any of these dumb topics uh, for a week. Sigh of relief, but just wait till tomorrow. Yeah, I know. Well, so <laughs> we're changed. talking about what all of you guys should have done already. Um, and we'll tell you, don't worry if you're worrying about not getting all the details. I'll tell you how to get them in a second. But all of your loans, all of your mortgages and forbearance, that was number one. Number two was definitely doing the SBA PPP loan. Uh, and I know there's a lot of confusion about that. Number three is the EIDL emergency relief fund. Uh, number four, what's number four? What am I forgetting? Unemployment. Unemployment. Yes. All of you guys should seriously be considering getting unemployment. If you're hearing us for the first time and you don't know what I'm talking about, I know you you're thinking and have a sea of questions. I'm 1099. I'm W2. Everything we talked about, uh, all those programs, you can do as either W2 or a 1099. And here, I don't want to talk about it because honestly, I'm just getting a little burned out of talking about it. And Julie and I have like four presentations this week to big groups of agents around the country. Did I tell you we're doing one in Minnesota? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm just looking at the schedule since she said that. I'm gonna obviously on a Zoom. Sure I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So obviously on a Zoom. But in any event, so the um, you guys need this information. And we've done, I think, a, a really good job of keeping all the information current and keeping it as simple and drilled down as possible. Just text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. Text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. And when you do, we're absolutely positively going to start. Um, you know, We're going to give you the information you need to know. And you also get a free membership to the coaching program, a version, a very, frankly, you know, watered down version of our premier coaching program. But what it does give you is it gives you the basics of how to, you know, essentially survive through this market. And that's your number one mission, guys. And I know that's not a word. It, look, it's the appropriate word. I don't want to worry about whether I'm scaring any of you because the fact is, is that survival is the, is the name of the game. And if you care to share even a portion of what our philosophy is here, it's very simple. There's going to be a you know a bit of a a recovery or a bit of a boom, and then it's going to fall be followed by a long downward trend, which is going to feel and we'll, we'll all remember as probably a recession, but maybe even a depression. And those are all just words. Don't get so married in it because the reality of it is, is even in markets like this, especially in markets like this, if you're willing to learn the skills necessary to thrive in a market like this, you're going to do fine. You really don't have anything to worry about. You really don't as long as you're willing to learn the skills. And one of the the other thoughts, I mean, getting back to the things that are kind of interesting that are coming as a result of this, is how many of you guys are going to completely abandon the idea of ever having to have an office, not just a real estate office. Seriously. But isn't your expectation going to be that why is in a, why aren't you coming to me, right? You, Mr. Business Owner, why aren't you bringing it to me? Hasn't your expectations changed about restaurants? I mean, everyone likes to go to restaurants and socialize and whatnot. But isn't your expectation now that you better make it super simple for me to order from you and you bring it to me? What about buying cars? I've seen car dealers. Car dealers are getting their clocks clean. Most car dealers had zero sales in March. You know, the, 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 uh, the mess that's going to happen in the automotive industry for a whole bunch of reasons is going to be a big story in the next probably month. You guys watch. The defaults that are going to be happening in car loans, the whole thing is going to be a massive 
unbelievable unwinding of really with this past 10 years. Believe it or not, guys, there were most new car loans, a vast majority of them were essentially subprime. <laughs> Believe it or not, that is the actual term that people have been doing over the last few years because they've rolled negative equity from their previous car to the next one to the next one. And they, so they're able to get these subprime loans. Well, all these loans are coming unraveled for a whole variety of reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, for example, if you're a car dealer and if you're not offering to bring a car, bring the car to somebody to test drive versus waiting for them to come to your dealership while you're out of business. And the same goes true with this, every single type of business you can imagine. People are going to be uh, demanding that you can do everything, yeah. you know, virtually. And our our coaching business has always been virtual. We've never had a physical location. We have people that have worked with us as independent contractors all over the world that we've never met before, um, and they've worked for us for years, and they're fantastic. You know, um, very consistent, very trustworthy, and mm -hmm. well, I mean, we're comfortable with that. How many of you? are comfortable with essentially working virtually. Well, you better get comfortable with it because that's what your future employees or staff members or agents or um, customers certainly are going to demand. They're not, they don't, I mean, Redfin came out with something, which I thought was sort of interesting on these houses they've been buying where you can essentially go there by yourself and let yourself into the house. It's a vacant house and show the house yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not sure if that's the way forward, but I can, I appreciate the fact that they're trying to be adaptive. Uh, so how are you guys thinking like that? And the more you struggle with the realization that the world has shifted, pivoted on its axis a little bit, you know, the more you struggle with hoping and praying that it's going to return back to quote unquote normal, the more pain you're going to suffer because the less effort you're going to make mentally, emotionally, and physically to move forward with what's coming next in the, uh, in the economy. Yeah. I wonder whether 10 or 20 years looking back at this, it will be looked at as like a virtual revolution. You know, when things were happening um, and you're forced to like skip a few steps, like the Industrial Revolution happened because it resulted from a whole bunch of things that happened at once. And then society was pushed forward faster. I wonder whether we're going to look back at this as people suddenly having to become comfortable and having to get that new skill set, not just in the land of real estate, but lots of different places. Like, I mean, look at restaurants, they're having to survive by being very flexible and changing quickly. Well, I mean, it's every aspect of all, you know, your life is going to basically be something that's going to change, right? It's all going to change. Um, and it's going to change. In, like, look, I think of simple things like going to gyms. Right. Yeah. I mean, there. I miss our gym desperately. I and mean, we have tons of friends at the gym here in uh, Dorado. But I'll tell you what. I mean, maybe I'm not rushing back there because yeah, that gym, because it's part of the Ritz-Carlton where we live, uh, is definitely full of tourists. <laughs> and those tourists are probably bringing a lot of nastiness yeah. from all over the world. I already wanted it to be OK to walk around with a can of Lysol before you worked out. And like yeah. that not being a weird thing to like spray down your yoga mat. Yeah. Maybe that'll be OK until that happens. I'm, I'm not so anxious to be on that floor. But maybe gyms. I mean, gyms are going out of business. Gyms aren't able to you know survive right now through this. There's a lot of businesses that are going out of business. Um, but you're going to see, for example, look at Peloton. Look at the look yeah. at the essentially that technology. I think that's really something. Um, you know, a Peloton bike, a Peloton treadmill. You know, who knows what else is going to be evolving? See, these are the cool things that only can happen, as to Julie's point, after there's something that's external that sort of forces people to change. Otherwise, people just stay complacent and they keep on doing the same thing. There's going to be a revolution. In electric cars. Now, the electric car thing, you guys can tell I'm a car nerd, right? The electric mm -hmm. car thing is kind of fascinating because it's not driven by consumer demand. People don't, people are not given, when given a choice between an electric car for this amount and a gas car for that amount, people are still buying the gas car 
because the cost of the fuel is still less than what essentially it would cost to run the electric car. Now, even if that doesn't change, it won't matter because this is the first sort of, and it's an interesting thing to pay attention to, right? This is the first like a huge leap that's happening in transportation because of regulation, because of laws, because of rules that were essentially constructed around a, a essentially a belief structure about you know pollution and about the environment. Whether you believe in that science or you don't believe in the science, it doesn't matter. You see what's happening here. This is going to happen in our industry too, guys. What's going to happen is in the, in the car in the car world. The government's basically said you're going to basically have cars that produce lo- less and less emissions. And if the total number of cars you have are producing this amount of low emissions by this, then you get fined and all this other Mickey Mouse, right? Moral of the story is all the major manufacturers are going not even to hybrids, guys. They're going to straight up electric. And you're starting to see – and now I'm telling you this because I want you to see and think how this is going to relate to real estate. And you're starting to see in cities – where you can drive into like downtown London with an electric car and not have to pay, uh, I forget what they call it, some ridiculous tax when you pull in. But if you do the same thing in a gas car, you have to pay some ridiculous tax. Every city on the face of the earth is going to do the same thing. Well, here I'll give you an example. Here in Puerto Rico, if you uh, move to Puerto Rico and you bring in, now listen to what I'm telling you, this is true, you bring in a gas-powered car, you know, not a hybrid, not electric, a gas-powered car, they decide what the value is, and it's pretty fairly done. And then they'll tack on, usually if it's a new car, up to 31% on top of what the car pay, uh, costs. So if you bought a $50,000 Ford pickup truck that's a you know, gas engine car, um, and you even buy it here, or you buy it uh, you know, in Texas and you bring it in, doesn't matter what, when it hits the dock here, before you're allowed to take delivery, you have to pay an, uh, a tax, basically 31%. So that $50,000 truck now costs you sixty-five. dollars Okay, that's essentially the government trying to decide or trying to motivate you to do what it wants you to do. Now, if you have a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid here in Puerto Rico or an electric car, uh, then you have no tax. So if you're trying to decide in Puerto Rico, even if gas prices, you know, basically are lower and from an economic perspective, because the fuel itself doesn't cost very much, which is certainly true now with this crazy thing that's going on with the cost of oil. But you're going to choose the electric car to avoid the 31% tax. See what the government did? It's interesting, right? So how's that, what, are, what things are going to happen in housing? What are cities and states and the government even, what is that going to do to basically start changing essentially the way we all live? Are they going to start encouraging people to work more out of their homes? I believe they will. Are they going to give tax incentives for people to work more out of their homes? Yes. Are they going to give tax incentives? Manipulation and control is always done through tax incentives, right? How about if you essentially establish some home-based office sort of thing as a, you know, for your W-2 employees? Do you get some sort of tax incentive then? I bet your health insurance will go down if you're not going to an office. Well, look, I was reading about Warren Buffett this morning. Warren Buffett's like not not saying anything. So Hmm. like Warren Buffett, who was so vocal during the last one, uh, last crisis, which, by the way, is a you know a, a nothing compared to this one. He hasn't really come out and said much, and people are like wondering what he's doing, and people are pretty much just guessing. He's keeping his powder dry and looking for bargains, but he's one of the biggest shareholders in Geico, and someone was talking about the portfolio he had. So he's he's exposed on the railways, right? The railways, Berkshire Hathaway owns them basically, and he's he, and people always like to talk about his you know he owns Sea Candies. If you guys in Southern California know S-E-E. what I'm talking, yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, he does. Remember, there's that little sea candies up the way from in Laguna? Yeah. 
can so, never see it. Yeah, he, so he owns all and a bazillions of other businesses, but those businesses are all basically getting their butts handed to him because of this you know, thing that's going on. Uh, but his other business, Geico, for example, is doing great because people aren't driving. They're getting in fewer wrecks, so there's fewer uh, you know, insurance claims, so they're making more money, you see? That's funny. I mean, so you're going to see a lot of different behavioral changes that are going to happen from just normal desires. Like you might say... I want to live further out from the city just because I want to be less dependent on the government. I want to be less dependent on the grid. I want—I mean, look, guys, how much has your confidence in everything been rocked because of this? Did you ever think that there would be lines going into Costco in the middle of Texas where there's like – you guys get what I'm saying? Do you ever think there would be lines going into you know people fighting for toilet paper, fighting for toilet paper? Did you ever think that would happen? Guys, it's only the end of April, basically. We've only been in this for essentially two months. And look how fast the, the wrinkles in our, you know, the, the confidence we had in our economy and our government and the institutions that are supposed to be there to protect us. Look how fast they started to come unraveled. Isn't that fascinating? So how has your mindset changed? It hasn't completely, probably. But as you make, go forward and you start to make decisions and you start thinking about your own life, I promise you, you're going to make a decision through a different set of filters and all of the decisions. Like there, people are guessing that shopping malls are pretty much going to be dead zones. Yeah. Well, if they weren't before, I imagine this will do. Yeah, there's already a lot of reporting about what the reimagination of them will be. What will they turn into? What could you use them for? So I'm not sure where that's going to go, but that discussion has already started. And you, you know, um, I rem- maybe we've already talked about this on the podcast, but you and I had talked about. Um, when we were kids and roller rinks were the thing, yeah, right? And that's what you did on the weekend. You went and you rollered around in, uh, what was it called, USA Roller or something like that. I think that you, didn't you know the owner of a bunch of those? Well, or, the story goes and, basically. And what happened to those when right. roller skating became not the thing? The shot and scenes in yes. Columbus. But they owned the real estate, okay? Yes, but I think that that's a, a parallel. Yeah, well, so, I mean, the story, the story goes, as a, a, to Julie's point, is essentially after those roller rinks became, you know, were no longer a fad, then you saw essentially those big commercial spaces just become big commercial spaces with nothing going on in them. And then the Schottenstein family either owned the real estate before or they bought all these empty buildings and then they made it into a value city furniture. Yeah, well, they it's, were all in great locations. You know, yeah. it was still commercial space that was, you know, viable, but... The, the use of it is what changed. Right. And so there's going to be a ton of that. And so the use of your time is going to change. The use of, you know, your relationship with how you use in your time and relating to other people the is going to change. commercial office building that you think your brokerage is going to be in in the next six months is, is going to change. It's going to become something else probably. Well, I mean, it, so Possibly. if you're thinking about where the greatest opportunities going forward in real estate, we're all thinking about the same thing. We're all looking for that. But just have your mind open. And if you're selling real estate in an area that you thought or you felt like was starting to basically um, you know, be on the dissension, is starting to go in the wrong direction, it's not going to be any better after, at the end of this. And when's all this going to come to an end? These are our beliefs, and I'd love to have someone give me a viable argument against them. But we don't think anything's going to return to anything. That even, there's not going to be a collective sigh of relief until there's a vaccine. Until there's a vaccine or there's some sort of therapy, and I hate the fact that now they're already starting to hedge by saying we might not have a vaccine, mm-hmm. we might only have a... Have you noticed that, Julie? Absolutely. The past I, I week, think we're being worked into that. Yeah, we're starting to be worked into a therapy conversation opposed to a vaccine conversation. Well, I mean, it happened with the treatment of AIDS. 
you know, that's, yeah. that hasn't been just cured. There's no vaccine against it, but they have the cocktail now. So it, it could happen. And, and maybe that's going to be the resolution of it. We don't well, know yet. And it's, you know, the most of the leading, re- there's a, what, three leading AIDS researchers who basically came up with a cocktail of drugs that basically mm-hmm. were also working on the vaccine for this thing, too. Yeah. So anyway, but look, we're going to stay optimistic. We're going to assume that the government's going to actually do what the government's supposed to do. <laughs> And, uh, you know, basically protect folks and they're going to pull private public and and all these things are happening, right? They're not just, you know, nice things to say. They're actually happening. There's going to be a vaccine. But until there is, we're going to live in this new normal, which is the abnormal. We're going to live in this time where people are not going to snap back, where they're always going to be questioning and thinking, where everyone's going to sort of have a watchful eye over the other person, where people are going to be apprehensive about just all kinds of things. You got what you've been hearing about. Um, is not nothing compared to what you're going to experience once you come out of your house. Because when you come out of your house in a meaningful way and people are, you know, like, for example, guys, think of all the businesses that are just don't even exist anymore or will soon not exist because the employees don't want to be basically doing that type of work because they're worried about the fact that they don't want to be around. Um, you know, there's a well-publicized story, and Julie and I talked about it on Tuesday about this mm-hmm. lady who got PPP money, and the PPP money she got, um, she you know called up all of her spa workers, 130 of them or 31 Something of them. Like I that. Don't she had two different spas in Washington State. It was three, yeah, yeah, and you know she was she was ecstatic. She got this forgivable PPP loan, and she was going to be able to keep her people even if they weren't coming in to actually do their spa jobs. And, you know, she had, I think she had a Zoom meeting or something about that. And uh, as it turns out, they were not so celebratory about it. They were kind of pissed. They didn't want to come back to work. But the story got spun up that, you know, they didn't want to come back to work. But but her point was, since when did she have to compete with unemployment? Well, right. And that was really an interesting angle. But I think there's another angle to it, too, that didn't get reported because it didn't fit the narrative necessarily. But the people didn't want to come back to work. Yes, probably because they were making more money on unemployment, which, by the way, all of you guys will, as agents, yeah. too, just text the word survival to 31996. I mean, many of you will at least have a financial lifeline. And most people we've talked to that have gotten unemployment or are trying to get it right now, agents, they're going to make basically thirty to uh, three to $4,000 a month on unemployment. So you definitely want to look into that. So, um, so anyway, her her staff members said, well, we don't want to come back to work. The news spun it as well because they're just wanting to sit at home and collect unemployment checks. But I think the real reason was is because if they got off unemployment and then they went back to work, even if they got that PPP loan money that only would essentially give her payroll for three months, there's still not going to be any uh, people uh, right. showing up there to have their hair cut because people are going to be gun shy about going back. And even if that isn't true, even if people like Julie's going to get her hair <laughs> done yeah. in a second. Yeah, but even if t- people do rush back, it's not going to be in the same numbers. And then those people working in those environments then have to worry about getting sick themselves and taking that back and exposing their families. So it's not just the yes. lazy worker not wanting to work. Job security again, too. I've read a lot of stuff about they're going to start or try to start regulating like, a, you know, maybe you have a, a salon and you're used to having 20 different services going on at the same time in 20 different rooms. Well, they're not going to allow 20 people in the spa anymore. It's going to be five at a time. You're going to space out all of your appointments. Well, what does that do to the profit and loss for the business, right? So even if you get through the PPP zone, what is the security of the job going forward and how strong is that business going to be? And that you can carry that through to any everything. kind of anything and everything. Uh, just obviously, everyone talks forever about the service industries, yeah. but it also goes true with any kind of work environment. I mean, think about it. If you're, well, okay, here's one. I actually had this pop in my head, a blinding, mm-hmm. you know, strike of the obvious here but if you're a real estate broker and you open up your office again and somebody brings in the coronavirus mm-hmm. and gets uh, people sick 
that and then one person dies or somebody related to that person dies, will you be held liable for that because your environment wasn't clean? Will you? Well, a lot of people believe you will be. There's lawsuits that are happening right now. Carnival Cruise Line's getting sued. Yep. And then there's errors in admissions insurance won't cover you. Well, there's, there'll be a new kind of insurance that props up to maybe, cover you for that. Maybe, you know? but uh, you know, you, there's no disclosures that you're going to be able to get signed. That's the reason the government right now is trying to pass um, legislation that's going to make it so that people can't sue businesses and whatnot for essentially getting sick because of the coronavirus, okay? Mm -hmm. So they're trying to do that. But what, so all these, you guys get what I'm getting at here? The questions that remain unanswered are endless until there's a vaccine. And that's a reason that there's going to, it's the new normal is going to be abnormal. The conversations that you're going to be having, you know, in your world are going to be bizarre compared to what you're used to be, used to having, you know, it's not, it's, everything's different. Um, and that's what's going to be the other thing is the unemployment rate. The other unemployment rate, because people are not going to uh, return to work. They're not going to essentially, because there's no work to return to. Even if there's a job to return to, it's not viable. They're not going to be able to make the same amount of money. Maybe their kids are still at home. Like, you know, here in Puerto Rico, there's no school for the rest of the year. So, you know, Julie and I both worked outside of the house. How's that going to work? So it just gets complicated. The whole thing, until there's a vaccine, is going to be a mess. There's just no two ways about it. Is there pent-up demand that's going to come flying back when essentially people start feeling a little bit of comfort walking out of their houses with their masks and their, you know, whatever hazmat suits on to go look at houses? Yes, there will be. And it's going to be, I think, a spike that's going to give many of you a needed spike in confidence, but then it's going to inevitably be followed by some kind of, you know, settling down or what's going to feel like, essentially it feels like now, but not maybe this severe. That's a reality. You can't fight against that because until there's a vaccine, until there's um, the unemployment rate uh, starts to reverse. Well, that's right. And there's a third wave that I've been studying and I think we'll talk about this week on podcasts as I get more intel behind it. And that is uh, there are rent strikes going on yeah. in different towns. And you're also not allowed to uh, evict or foreclose. So there's going to be a whole lot of investors who are saying, you know what? No, thank you. I'm kind of out of this game. And, and it's going to take a while to work through that because you'll have to be able to uh, let that tenant go, so to speak. But there will be some tenants that do it on their own. Then you're going to have vacant property. Landlord's going to say, I'm out. I don't want to deal with this. Let's sell it. So one of the things that I've been studying is the convergence of property management and becoming a spoke for new listings as all of that develops. So that's the VRBO crowd. That's a ton of property in places like New York City, um, especially if, and you just know the media is going to run with rent strikes. It's oh, going yeah, to get some sure. press and it's going to be a thing. Well, if, you know, most of the properties, single family homes are owned by little mom and pop investors like Julie and I. I mean, we have dozens of rental properties. It's actually but, an investment class, people who own between one and 20 investment yeah. properties. So go and, you know, seek those people out and ask them if they want to sell on what's yeah. probably the peak of the market for a long time to come. And you'd be shocked to hear how many of them will. Mm -hmm. I've been getting, uh, I got an email this morning. Um, Julie and I rented a place out in um, Big Sur, or no, in Carmel by the Sea a couple years ago. And we still get emails from this management company. And they're starting, the emails that they're starting to get, remember, it's a property management company, are about the properties that they want to sell, that the investors yeah. are wanting to sell out of. So, what Julie's talking about, so these are all opportunities, but you have to be thinking like this to see them. Otherwise, well, you, you're going to You be might confused. not have taken that spoke seriously before. You right. might say, no, I don't do property management. It's not my thing, and refer that business off and not even call that person back or not deal with it. But I think you're all going to have to. So the things that it's, you know, we always like to end with, with what we would be doing if we were you. Mm -hmm. Number one was we definitely be downloading the 
you know, the Ultimate Agent Survival Guide. And you guys can get that for free just by texting the word survival to 31996. Because the first thing you have to do is you have to protect yourself, you know, your personal aspects and all your financial stuff. And we've given you as clear of a path forward to essentially give yourself as many financial lifelines as you possibly can. But the next thing you all have to take seriously, well, it, it's in second, it's sort of between the first and the second, is you're going to have to take a real hard look at your expenses. And I know most of you are already doing this. You're canceling the silly things that never worked in the first place. And then you're canceling the things that you know may have worked a long time ago, but don't work anymore like Zillow. And you're looking really at yourselves and asking yourself, well, Okay, now if I'm getting rid of all these silly things, what am I going to actually have to do to earn money and to you know generate leads? Well, it's proactive lead generation. You're going to have to learn how to go after the sellers that absolutely have to sell. That's what our coaching program has always been about, not just because of this market. So if you guys want to learn how to go after you know proactively generate leads that lead to listings, that's what our coaching program is about. If you want to get to the head of the line, you want to talk directly with one of our new member coaches, uh, just text the word education to 31996. And there, we do have a promotion. Um, it's been going on for a while. We don't really advertise it, but where you can join the coaching program, uh, essentially with no money, you can join the coaching. This is our full. This is the full suite of services coaching program. You can join the coaching program, and um, there's basically we work with a third party lender that will finance you. The payments around a hundred bucks a month. Um, if there's no interest, if the loan's paid off in 181 days. Um, the interest rates, like I think it's 12.99%, but most of you will never pay it because of the fact you're paying, most of you pay the loans off faster than that. The, it's a six month coaching program where we give you an additional six months for free. So you guys getting the pieces here? It's everything that you've been looking for to not just survive, but thrive in this new market. And it's incredibly affordable. And it's every, you don't have an excuse of saying you don't have money because we've already got you covered. It's not based on credit. It's not based on job history. If you want to be in the coaching program, you can be on the coaching, in the coaching program. Just text the word education to 31996. Now, I'll tell you the other thing I would do. So you guys got to protect yourselves first, everything we told you about. Then you basically have to start learning what the new market requires. And the other thing we say is you have to cut unnecessary expenses. The two biggest expenses you have in your, in your life are taxes, which you can't really do much about, unfortunately, and what you're paying your broker. Um, one of the best uh, business decisions that Julie and I have ever made, straight up, no fluff here, guys, is our alignment with EXP Realty, um, which happened about a year and a half ago. EX, the experiences we've had at EXP Realty, and we don't sell real estate, right? This is just basically for us to help other agents join EXP, but the experiences we've had directly and indirectly through our delighted uh, coaching members who joined our team at EXP have been really so reinforcing of the fact that you know we made the right decision. EXP is literally designed for this market. EXP Realty is the only real estate company that I'm aware of that literally pays you. That your you know their commission split generally speaking is going to be way more uh, profitable for you. And then there's a multitude of other ways you can actually earn money. We know people who earn on average per month the same amount in commissions that they do in the revenue share, for example, at DXP. A lot of people. So this is a this company is exciting because it's in perfect alignment with frankly our book Harris Rules where we tell you guys to create multiple streams of income just by doing what you're doing now and just by being an EXP uh, real estate agent, you will essentially create multiple streams of income almost by accident, okay? So here's what I want you to do. There's a great seven-minute video. It's waiting for you. It explains all the benefits of being ex it, it, with EXP. And by the way, EXP is a virtual company. EXP is designed and built around 
this strange world we found ourselves in. How Glenn Sanford had the epiphany, you know, nine, yeah, and, ten and years ago. And they did ago. it from day one. They're not retrofitting right. themselves into it. They're not trying to go back and throw up some Zoom meetings and say, well, let's figure it out. Yeah. This company was built around, essentially, virtual. And their experience from an agent's perspective is designed around virtual. The consumer perspective designed around virtual. So it does not feel like a, just a hodgepodge of throwing things together. It's amazing. But if you want to learn more about eXp, there's a great seven-minute video that's waiting for you. Just text the word eXp to 31996. Text the word eXp to 31996. I personally work with a lot of people that are urgently ready to join eXp. So if you'd like to join our team, Tim and Julie's eXp team, all you've got to do is text, or actually just text me directly. 512-758-0206. If you're a broker, if you're a team, please take this seriously. The uptick in sales that we think will happen won't be enough to take carry you through the next down leg that's going to happen. And here's the problem. When the uptick happens in the economy, I think that's when the government is going to pull the lifelines and stop doing all these programs. So that's going to be their opportunity to exit from essentially uh, you know, the S uh, SBA PPP. It's probably going to pull back. They're, these programs, guys, are not, uh, they're not going on forever. The unemployment thing where most of you guys can be making three to $4,000 a month, that's from the CARES Act. That's only supposed to go through July, if I remember correctly. So the moral of the story is this is not going to happen forever where you can live off these lifelines. Um, but while they are there, you need to seize hold of them so you don't drown, frankly, so you can survive. But in the interim, the next move for you is to be thinking about learning the new skills that are necessary and obviously seriously consider aligning with Julie and I EXP Realty. It'd be great to have you guys as part of our team. If you want to talk to me directly about that, just text the word, uh, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. Um, or if you just want to, if you're just getting the getting ready to get started stages and you want to learn about it, just text the word EXP to 31996. Anything else you'd like to say these guys? Yeah, don't wait to get into action. Things are going to change very quickly. We're going to report anything new that happens this week. So stay in touch, stay in tune, and make sure that you are in acceptance mode and you are moving forward. Have a fantastic day, guys. We'll talk with you tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>